You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. All right, we uh, have been going over the last several weeks over uh, a series on everyday Jesus. A lot of times we have a tendency to compartmentalize our spiritual life or to compartmentalize God, actually, to maybe an hour or two hours or a service or a day on a Sunday. But what about the Monday through the Saturday? God during the rest of the week. So what we've been doing is taking a look at areas of our life that God truly wants to be Lord of all in, in every single area and every day. True faith is not compartmentalized. True faith affects the deepest, most personal areas of our life. And today is probably one of the most deepest and most personal areas of all. Two of our theme verses for this series are in Proverbs and in Matthew chapter 6. The Proverbs verse is in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your uh, own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways. Everybody say all of your ways. In all of your ways. And then it says, and submit to him. So it's not like we just go, oh yeah, that's what God says. No, it's like we acknowledge in all of our ways and then we follow it. We submit to it. And the result is, and he will make your path straight or he will give you direction. Trust him in all of your ways and he will direct your path. Matthew 6.33 is the other core uh, verse that we are hanging this whole series on. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you stress out about will be taken care of. Seek his kingdom, that's his will, and his righteousness, that's his ways. To seek his will and his ways in all areas of your life, and God will direct you and take care of you. Now, we're going to address chapter 6 of Matthew today. Today is an area that affects uh, everybody every single day, and it's probably more personal than any other issue in life. In fact, it's probably the most sensitive issue to talk about with a person, and it's the most sensitive and hated issue for a church to ever talk about. You can maybe tell where I'm talking, where I'm heading. If I were to say, what's the least favorite thing for a church to ever talk about, you might have different opinions, but I think the majority of people would say it's what we're going to talk about today. And that is the issue of money. All right. Nobody likes to talk about money. First of all, it's a private, personal issue. But yet we spend 85% of our day, every day, 85% of our day is spent making money. We think about it every day. Some of you guys, you've all thought about it already today. Maybe you haven't even thought about your work today. Thank God for that, right? You get a day, maybe a few hours, you don't think about work, but you have already thought about money. A lot of times we wake up thinking about our money use, going to bed thinking about how we used our money, and throughout the day we're calculating what we're doing with it and how we are going to use it and what we're going to do with it. It's definitely, hands down, the most thought of thing in our life, but the perception of churches that talk about money often makes it out of bounds for a lot of churches to talk about. And like, well, churches, all they want to do is talk about money. Well, we don't, but we do talk about what the Bible talks about. So when the Bible talks about stuff, we talk about it. And the Bible talks a lot about this issue. We usually do studies through entire books of the Bible, and, and we don't jump over the passages to talk about money. But a lot of times, people think that churches, they just want money. They think we're either either fakes or we're charlatans, that we're swindlers or, or that we're um, just kind of deceived. But, but, you know, the issue is why do we have to talk about this? Well, it's an everyday issue. And Jesus wants to be Lord every day. We are to seek him in all of our ways, trust him in all of our ways, acknowledge him in all of our ways. Uh, two reasons why we're going to talk about it today is because you care about it and God cares about you. All right? 
God cares about you and you care about this. You care about this a lot. When, you, when it comes to your marriage, you process this area of your life. When it comes to your children and your children's life, your future, their future, their school, their education, you process this into that equation. Because you care about this, God cares about it because he cares about you. You think about it every day, sometimes, some of you all day. Here's another reason why we're going to talk about it is because the Bible talks about it a lot. The Bible talks about it a lot. There are 2,000 scriptures in the Bible talking about tithing money and our possessions, twice as many as faith and prayer combined. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels deal with money and finances. 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship of our possessions and our money. Why does the Bible talk about it? Because God cares about you, and this is an area you care about. So we're going to try to dive into a, a, a view of this that's biblical and not, you know, overstretch and overexpand and, and make anybody feel guilty or manipulated. To, to walk this out every day, we need to understand some primary principles about money from Scripture. So let me lay a foundation of some primary principles that the Bible is very clear on. The first one is this, everything belongs to the Lord. That's important to know. Everything belongs to the Lord. Not just a piece, a portion, or a percentage. And not just sections of your life. Did you know the shirt that you have on and the shoes that you have on? They belong to the Lord. Everything that you have been given, whether you are a Christian or not, belongs to the Lord. Did you know that even the things that don't belong, I'm sorry, even the things that don't honor God belong to the Lord? Everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything, everything that is in the world belongs, that is a possession, that is a material object, that is made out of matter and even non-matter, spiritual things belong to the Lord and all who live in it. Every person, every possession, and every being belongs to the Lord. There's additional verses on this in your notes, I believe. It's not yours, it's not mine, it's not your company's. It all belongs to God. God claims exclusive ownership of everything, everything. I want you to take a real quick inventory of your life. I want you to think about your closet, your bedroom, your car, your favorite little things. They belong to God. Whether you acknowledge it or not, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all the people. By the way, written in an economy of agriculture and livestock, they didn't have a 401ks in the Bible and they didn't have uh, banks as we see them. Uh, they had, their, their wealth was graded upon not a portfolio, but the, but the, um, but the cattle on a, on a hill and, their, and their, their crop and their harvest. This is what Psalm 5010 says, every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. So all of their accumulation of possessions belongs to the Lord. God cares about what he gives you. 
to take care of. We are just stewards, all right? That's, that's part of this whole God owns everything. So if you have anything, it's because you're on, it's on loan from God, all right? It doesn't belong to you. This should immediately affect how we view money immediately. We could just end this right here. We could end with this, and you could go home, and if you could just let that saturate your life, this would change everything about how you use money, everything that you own and possess, you would start to evaluate everything that is in your possession and in this world. It's meant to be used by God, for God, and in his name. The good news is, here's the good news, is that that means that God is above and greater than any economy, financial hardship, or government. So we don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, it's a recession or, you know, unemployment. You know what? It's all the Lord's and the fullness thereof, everything. So we, you can have great peace in knowing that God is in charge and owns it all, all right? Here's the second thing. Money is not evil. It is neutral. A lot of things, well, money's evil. Says it's, money's, the Bible says money's evil. The Bible never says money is evil. In fact, it actually, like, like we said, 2,000 plus verses on it. God doesn't say that it's evil. There's only a couple of verses uh, where it talks about the heart behind it, which we're going to look at. It can, however, be used for evil, and it can become a very unhealthy pursuit. This is what the Apostle Paul told a pastor named Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 16, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's like, oh, that's what it means. Oh, why did I do that? You ever done something that go, oh, that's a pang. It's like, oh, ooh, right? So he said, because people are pursuing money and they love it so much and above everything else, it's caused them so much hardship. The money is not evil, it's neutral. The pursuit, the love of it is. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Basically, God has got you taken care of, so stop thinking that money is the fix or the problem, all right? Uh, I want to give you an example. Um, uh, I, need, I need some money. Anybody have some money that they can let me have? Oh, thanks, man. How much? Let me see what you got here. Can I have like $20, $40? Sure. I'll just give you the whole thing. Oh, wait. Let's see what, how much you got here. 20 40 60 80 100 All right. You may or may not get this back. <laughs> Thank you. All right. This is neutral. This is not evil. There's nothing, there's nothing evil about this. It can be used for evil, and an obsession over it can be evil. Just having it on the platform is making some of you uncomfortable because you have an unhealthy relationship with this. When you can't, like, let God work in your life on this issue and it's offensive just to even bring it up, that means you have an unhealthy relationship with this. But it's neutral. This is not, this has no feelings, no emotions, this is, I mean, in fact, the Bible talks about how we can use this for his good and his glory and his purpose. You know, that we are to actually use this as a vessel of blessing for others' lives. So it's not, we don't use something evil for blessing. We actually use something that is neutral that can be used for a blessing or a curse. Uh, I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to use this again. Everything, here's the third thing I want you to write down principle, everything we use and spend our money on matters to God. Everything 
we use our money for and spend our money on matters to God. In this life, we trade time for money, right? You mow lawn, you get 30 bucks. You spend eight hours, nine hours at work. You, you make, get a salary uh, to, to compensate that, or you get an hourly wage that, that matches, um, you know, the agreement between you and your employer. You, you have this, this exchange of time and work, and you get, as a result, a paycheck, or you get money. This is, this is the result of your time. All right, time is valuable, right? Would you say time is valuable, right? So every time we have one of these, it represents energy that we have put into something to get this. And God cares about how we spend our time and God cares about how we spend our money. So in many ways, our money represents a portion of our lives. This represents a portion of our time, our lives. This represents our energy. This represents our passions. And God cares about all those. And therefore, God cares about how we use our time, our energy, our passions, and our money. How we spend our time matters to God. I've got I've got a whole list of verses in your notes there. I'm just going to give you one, Ephesians 5, 15. It says, be careful how you walk, how you spend your life, what you do with your time and how you spend your money. Be careful with how you walk, not as unwise men or unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time for the days are evil. See, that movie you go to matters to God. And that, that restaurant you eat at matters to God. That game that you play or buy uh, matters to God. That car that you drive matters to God. That object that you want, that you exchange your time and energy into money, that you then put it into an object that you buy matters to God. The clothing that you wear matters to God and the shoes that you buy matter to God. This all matters to God because it represents your time, your passions and your energy and your possessions, which all belong to God and how you use them and steward them matters to God. They are a reflection of what you value and what you care about. And God cares about you. See, when we start to think that he doesn't do these kind of things or care about them, that's compartmentalization. And that means, well, God doesn't care about this, but he does care about this. No, God cares about it all because you care about it. And God cares about you. God cares about everything we use and spend our money on. This is a basic principle. This will process and change everything about how you look at life and how you buy things and where you go. Here's the fourth principle. Trusting and obeying God with our money is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. How we spend, if we will trust God with our spending and our use, when we align it with the purpose of God, all of a sudden it becomes an act of worship. It starts to fulfill a purpose of God in our life. Money is an issue of discipleship in the eyes of God. Are you going to be a disciple? A disciple is a follower. Are you going to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and follow him in the will and ways of your finances? Again, these are basic principles. Uh, Luke 12, 32, Jesus said this, don't be afraid, little flock. It says, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I'm like, don't worry about possessions and stuff and things in life, because God, he's going to give you more than you ever imagined, and it's, it's, it's the kingdom of God, so there's no comparison. He says, so sell your possessions and give to the poor. 
Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. Uh, a treasure in heaven that will never fail. The purse that he's talking about is not a bank account, a wallet, or a checkbook. He's talking about a purse, an investment where you keep and hold and trust your possessions, not in a bank, a purse, but in heaven that does not wear out. That's where it says uh, a purse that will not wear out. The kingdom, heaven, a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroy. See, this is kind of the attitude of Jesus throughout the New Testament. He emphasizes a life of simplicity and investments in the eternal kingdom of God rather than on the things that fade away. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. We're going to take a look at this. It shows up in Matthew again. So how we use our money is a direct reflection of our heart. That's why giving in, in a way is a tangible way to express in worship that we value God in our heart. See, when we give our finances, this represents our heart, the things we care about, the things that we work hard for, and the things we invest our time and energy in. And when we give it and we use it for God's kingdom, it becomes a tangible act of worship that says, God, I care about how I spend my time and energy and what you entrust me with to honor you with this and to love you with this. It becomes an act of worship. Going to the movies can be an act of worship when we decide to bless somebody or take someone. A lunch can be an act of worship when we take someone to lunch and we buy their lunch and we care for them or when we give to a, a neighbor or coworker, or someone in need, when we walk up to someone that we're never going to get a reward from or never get a thank you from and we bless and honor them and show generosity, when we use what God has entrusted us to use for his glory, when we use it for his glory and trust him with it, when we are faithful in the areas that he said to be faithful in, it becomes worship becomes an act of worship. This is powerful. This puts money in its proper position rather than we're on an altar where we keep it or some kind of throne where we like to keep it. Notice verse 32. It says, do not be afraid. See, this is the problem. <laughs> this is an issue of trust. When we can learn to trust God with our possessions and finances and income and material objects, uh, it can be a real struggle. It can be a real uh, trust. God, do I really trust you? Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. All right? So every time we use and spend our money, it's meant to be an act of worship. Um, we worry so much about money, we think about it all the time, even, even in the biblical days. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus spends uh, half of uh, what we call a chapter. Um, Jesus didn't write in chapters, either did the writers. Uh, but the, it was put into chapters you know, 1,500 years later. So we have chapters so we can help find it. The second half of chapter six is all about this. Jesus is preaching a sermon, and this is part of a sermon. Actually, Jesus taught on income a lot. So let's take a look at it, how to keep the main thing the main thing, and then we're gonna focus on the rest of the, of the morning. We're just gonna be on Matthew six, okay? Uh, we are bombarded with messages and images of more, more, more. Jesus is telling us how to slay the more monster of materialism. All right, so uh, I like, and there's nothing wrong with uh, decent things and possessions and things of value, uh, but do they have you or do you have them? Is this something that God has for you or something that you are using in spite of what God has asked you to do? So how can we slay the more monster of materialism? This is what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6. He begins with a big one. He says this, says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and vermin can destroy it and where thieves can break in and steal it. So the first thing he says is don't pursue things, pursue the king. He says don't pursue the stuff but pursue the throne. I mean, he says there's this, there's, this world is passing away. It is, it is frail. This money, I used to work for Texas Credit Union, and we would uh, get money in, and, and it would get old, and we would have to take it out of circulation. It would have, you know, there just comes a point where you just can't use it anymore. In Honduras, they are so strict about money. See, this bill, let's see, I think I felt a soft bill in here. This one here has a little itty-bitty kind of tear on the corner. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? A little bitty fold and tear. They would not accept this in Honduras, even though they are a, a country that is financially struggling and in, in great need of uh, financial help and support and live in poverty, a lot of people, and, and don't have food. They wouldn't, buy, they wouldn't take this bill. Uh, that's because this, is, this becomes an issue of value for them, and it may or may not be accepted at a bank. And so they're like, so if you bring money to, to give to like a building project, they only want crisp, nice, clean, you know, all edges, unperforated bills. Because there just comes a point where this to them is not valuable anymore. Now here, this, man, we're going to, if there's more than half a bill, you can spend it. You can I'm going to rip it in half and show you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to give it to two people, the person with the biggest half. <laughs> Go have lunch on me, or actually on John Paul, right? Uh, but when I worked at Texans, eventually this money just, it, it falls apart. And it, take, it goes out of circulation. Uh, even this money uh, will have its day. He's, Jesus says, don't, don't store up your treasures in possessions. Uh, that car, that house, I mean, every, every car has, has, a, has a date on it. You know, your house has repairs. We, the house we live in now, we've lived in for 20 years. That's a big deal for me. And uh, we bought it when Noelle, two weeks before Noelle was born. She's 20 now. And um, so we've had a lot of repairs over the years. And uh, at first, we're like, a brand new house. This is great. And they were like 11 years in, like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, replacing stuff and repairing stuff. That's home ownership. But it's also because nothing lasts forever. And Jesus says, why are you worried about the stuff that doesn't last when you can pursue the king? What you pursue in life, is fun in life has got to fundamentally change. It doesn't mean you don't own a house, you don't have a car, you don't ever go shopping or get to see movies. But it means that how you pursue life and the things in life has got to fundamentally change. What you focus your eyes on needs to drastically shift. We have to change our thinking about money and its purpose. He talks more about it. Here's the next thing. Verse 20 says, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy it and where thieves cannot break in and steal. So he says, don't pursue the things of this life, but instead invest into heaven. Here's the thing I want you to write down is realize that things will not be going with us, but we can send them ahead. We can invest into things in this life that do carry on to the next. And there are things that we can invest in in this life that, are, that will end in this life. The only thing that we can take with us are things of eternal significance. That's people and God's word, the kingdom. Now, this is what a lot of, uh, a lot of you think that heaven's going to look like this slide right here. You're going to somehow like, like back it up to the pearly gates. Back, beep, beep. Beep, beep, right? We're good. All right, can I get a couple of you strong angels to help me unload my trailer? You know? 
And this is, this is what you think you're going to like certain things and possessions that you have that you want to take. The life teams are going to talk about that this week. So you're going to want to be in a small group. They're going to unpack this whole idea of, of investment in heaven and material possessions. Um, we can send it ahead, however, um, if we get on God's layaway plan. Remember layaway plans? Some of you guys are young, you may not remember. But that was basically when you couldn't afford something. And you put a little money down and then they would literally take the object and put it off to the side. And then you would pay for it. And then once it's paid for, you get to take it home. But until then, you're going to, it's on layaway. It's put off to the side and you're going to pay it off and then take it home. It's different than when you rent or lease something where you get to take it home and you, you pay it off in your possession. The old layaway plan was pretty popular for Christmas with Christmas gifts and presents and stuff. You have these, you go Christmas shopping that you could lay away a whole cart at like Toys R Us and you could pay into it and get it later. See, God has a layaway plan. He's got a whole lot of life for those that are his stored up and, and just put off to the side. If we'll just invest in it, it's ours to have one day. It's ours to get when we get into his kingdom. What does that mean? Well, God is faithful to take what we have now and to use it for his glory in the future. We need to send it in. We need to be generous. We need to use our resources to invest in people that, that impact eternal difference. Now, for some of you, $10,000 may answer your top five prayers. You know, for some of you, it's like, man, $10,000 would give me a lot of good sleep. You know, you got a whole mess of bills, you know, the, uh, roughly around that amount. You could pay off some stuff, maybe drop a few, you know, burdens off your shoulders. Um, you know, if I were to say we're handing out $10,000 to you today, how many of you would be interested in that? Anybody be interested in $10,000 today? Yeah, I think, I mean, that would, I, I'm thinking right now it would probably give me some really good sleep if I could get $10,000. But what if I told you that if you could wait three years, you would get a million dollars? But $10,000 would solve your problems now. But if I said, if you wait three years, I'll give you a million, what would you do? You would live with your problems and wait, <laughs> right? You would suck it up and wait. What Jesus is saying, if you could see the payoff, you would let go of this world, you'd suck it up. You'd, you'd embrace some of that struggle and invest in what matters and know that the payoff is greater if you'll just trust me. Instead of trying to pursue that measly 10,000 now, it will be worth it if we can understand what it means to store up in heaven. Here's the next thing he says. For where your treasure is, verse 21, is, is there, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like I said earlier, and then Luke said also, uh, write this down. Know that giving is never about dollars, but it is about devotion. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, my daughters are uh, well into dating relationships now. They're not exclusive. Um, but they do date, and guys do take them out, and, and uh, guys like to spend money on them. 
you know, and they like to, to do things for them. And maybe if you've ever gone out on a date with somebody, um, you know, you, you, you care, you, you're, you're pursuing this person, right? You're interested in this person. And so you might, you might uh, extra dinners or take them out on a date or buy them something special to, to remember them by. Um, and, and you do this uh, a lot of times without reluctance because there's a devotion attached to what you're doing right? You sacrifice for the devotion that, that in the case of dating, you hope will happen. So it's not like, oh, I got let's go to dinner, you know, you know, what's the guy always have to pay, right? You know, I'm a feminist, right? And, and there's nothing wrong. Girls can pay. It's all cool. Uh, but if you're feeling like the pressure to have to do that, well, then first of all, girls don't go out with him. He's a jerk. And, um, but a lot of times, guys, will, they just, it's not an issue because it's a matter of devotion. And this is what God is saying. If your heart is attached to something, money is not attached to you. Because it's an, it's, devotion produces sacrifice, and you give to where your heart is. So if your heart is connected to someone, you will easily, like for instance, when you have children, it's amazing how much you begin to sacrifice. I mean, I... We, before we had kids, man, life was so good. <laughs> but then we had kids and life was amazing. And we spent less uh, on ourselves. We went out less. Uh, we went to less movies. We were able to buy less stuff. We, had, we didn't have as nice things for a long time until our kids got older. And, and a lot of things, a lot of trips we didn't go on. Um, and, and we just did less. But we seemed to spend more because all of it went to our devotion, which was our children. See, you give to what you believe in. You give to where your heart is. That's why Jesus is saying your heart is a picture of your treasure. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Paul challenges the Corinthian church. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 8, verse 1. I'm going to read through this rather quickly. Uh, I'm going to have, there's some larger sections of scripture that really speak for themselves. And I want you to hear them. He's challenging the church in Corinth to use the example of a church in Macedonia on what it means to be generous. Now, Macedonia had just gone through a season of extreme poverty and famine. They were in a recession and in the middle of a war, and yet Macedonia was extremely and exceptionally generous. And this is what he told Corinth about this church. He said, it says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. They didn't use their current financial struggle as an excuse to not be generous or not to give. It says, entirely on their own, they did this. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. They said, come on, we want to do this. And then he says, and they exceeded our expectations. How did they do this? Well, he says, well, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God, they gave to us also. You see, giving starts with a heart issue with God. It's about devotion, not the dollars. But since you excel in everything in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in complete earnestness and in the love uh, that we have kindled in you, see to it also that you excel in this grace of giving. See, this is an area to grow in. He says, man, you're growing in so many areas. 
That's awesome. Now he says, Paul says, this is an area to grow in also. The next chapter, he says this to the same church. He says, remember, he says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. We're not to, we're not to be manipulated, compelled, or promised some kind of guarantee. We give, it's called sacrificial because it, it hurts and you may not get anything from it. When you're generous to somebody, when you give to a homeless person, or when you decide to buy lunch for somebody, hopefully you're not giving because you expect them to pay it back to you or to somehow take you to lunch. Or, or you know, we give out of devotion, out of a heart issue with God and for others. And now we are blessed, but that's, but that's not why we give. That if we do, then our heart is one that is seeking to receive rather than to give, and it's manipulation. And God is able to bless you abundantly if we have this right heart, this right attitude, so that in all things, at all times, you'll have all that you need, and you'll abound in every good work if your heart is right. As followers of Christ, we should want to give, can't wait to give, think it through, and even plan for it because it's worship, and we get excited about its potential because it makes a difference in people's lives. In the middle of talking about our finances, Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 6 and says a very interesting verse that doesn't seem to fit. He says this, same chapter, Matthew 6, he says, in the middle of talking about money, he says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Basically, real simple, he's saying, um, there's, there are people who can see and they understand the world around them. And there are people that are blind and, and they are blind or they live in darkness to what is around them. Jesus is drawing a comparison. He says, can you see this that I'm talking about or are you going to be blind to this? Either you can see this and, and understand what I'm saying or you will be blind to this and you're going to live a double-minded life and walk in darkness when it comes to your money. He says this, if the light within you is darkness, that means if you're blind and you can't see, how great is that darkness? He says, if you remain blind, it will bring misery in your life. How great a misery, even more misery than your blindness can, 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 uh, can imagine. So that's what this little verse is about. He's talking about trusting God in your finances. Have eyes to see this. Don't be blind about it. And then he says this, the very next thing. He says, for nobody, in regards to what he just said, for no one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and you love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Some translations use the word mammon. The word mammon is probably a little bit closer than money because mammon means money, material, objects, possessions, and pursuits. Mammon means all the things that you want in this life. It kind of, some of the translations narrow it down to money because he's talking about financial stuff in this whole chapter, but that means all the things we pursue. You're only going to be able to serve one of two masters, yourself and the things you want or God. And this is the next thing you need to know, that if you want to keep the main thing, the main thing is you need to decide who will be your master. Who will be your master? Because we all have a master. That's the next slide, by the way. We all have a master. 
your career, your money, your earthly security, your possessions, your comfort, or Christ? Who will be your master? Some of you, you worship comfort. You worship a life of some kind of, you know, ease that's out there somewhere. If you just raise enough, save enough, invest enough, you know, retire with enough, it's just out there. Rest is out there. No, listen, rest in Christ is right here. It's with you in the kingdom, in you, in Christ. But yet we're chasing it. Jesus says, listen, open your eyes. Why are you investing in things that are just going to fall apart and die Instead of something that's eternal, decide who you will serve. I like what Joshua says in 24, verse 14. He says, choose you this day who you will serve. He says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. Keep in mind, you don't make Jesus Lord. He is already Lord. You just acknowledge his lordship. So whether you realize it or not, he's already Lord. He's already owner of, a, of everything. Uh, you're either going to acknowledge that and, and enjoy the blessings of the, of the owner or you're going to be in denial, in rebellion, and resist the Lord who's already on the throne. Matthew 6, Jesus goes on. He says, therefore, by the way, whenever there's a therefore, it connects to the previous. You need to know what it's there for. He says, therefore, in light of this view of money and finances and material possessions, when you put it in its proper place, when God is your Lord, not money, he says... Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, about what you're going to wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worry add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. That means they don't have to make their own clothing. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not how much more clothe you, you of little faith? Some of you worry about so much. Some of you right now are just worried about so much. This whole topic is stressing you out because you think that somehow at the end of this, there's going to be, you know, money, you know, I'm going to expect you to give. Listen, we, we have that, a blessing every Sunday. We give, we have a time of worship and trust with our finances every Sunday. This is not what, this is not an hour long message on a bigger tide. This is everyday Jesus stuff. This is how are you going to spend your money tomorrow? How are you going to, you know, use it on Wednesday? And what's going to, what, how are you going to use it on Friday? Why do you worry so much? Write this down. If you want to keep the main thing, the main thing, do not obsess over what you do not have. Do not obsess over what you do not have. Jesus said, why do you worry about everything that you don't have or don't have yet? Greed, envy, and discontentment are spiritual poison. The Apostle Paul talking to Tim again in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is a, a section I want to read together again. I'm going to let this speak for itself. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. That means godliness 
living a life that honors God and contentment, being, you know, thankful and content with what you have is great gain. That means is great wealth, great riches. It's going to bring tremendous amount of blessing to your life. He says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing with us. There's no U-Hauls parked outside of heaven. And if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap with, with so many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. When money is the main thing and not Jesus, it's a spiral of destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We read that earlier. It's all about our desires, not our possessions. People, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God or woman of God, flee from all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. He's saying pursue the kingdom. Pursue kingdom principles. Pursue the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom, his will, and his righteousness, his way. And it says, it says, don't pursue possessions, but the kingdom. And then he says this, fight the good fight of faith. That is attached to this declaration. Guys, listen, it is a fight every day to destroy the monster of materialism that it seeks to take our soul every morning, every day, every billboard, every commercial, every time we're with somebody and they have a, a better phone, a nicer phone, a nicer outfit, more items, possessions, a bigger TV, whatever it is. It's a fight every day to be content. He says, you want to be wealthy? You want to have great gain, godliness, and contentment. Fight this fight. Take hold of the eternal life, not the temporary life to which you are called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Man, this is a fight. It's a daily fight under a generous general. If we blow it, if we mess up, he's not going to, you know, beat us and, and, and be angry. He's, he's going to correct as a generous, loving father and teach us through our mistakes in this area. Aren't you glad you have a patient father who, who's willing to walk with us and teach us? You know, if you've ever, you know, uh, it's amazing. Something like 90% of adults were not taught about financing and budgeting from their parents. And so the majority of you had to wing it. And some of you are still winging it because you never taught financing and budgets. And so we somehow we think that maybe it's just going to, you know, happen by osmosis. And the reason a lot of times we don't teach our kids is because we don't have a good habit of finances and giving. And so we just pass on to our kids what ours is. And that is, you know, make it to the weekend and hope the paychecks still last through the bills. I mean, there's just, and, and because of this, we, we have this perpetual cycle of fear and anxiety over our money. It's a daily fight. You know, when I'm teaching my kids about finances, I'm not like, you stupid, you dummy. You know, it's like, all right, let's walk through this again. All right, let's try this again. I'm going to bless you, and then we're going to walk through how we can spend that wisely. All right? That's how our Father is. All right? He cares because you care about it. Philippians 4, Paul says this to the church in Philippi. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether I am well-fed or if I'm hungry, whether I'm living well in plenty or if I am in want, I am hurting financially. 
Verse 13, I can do all this. Whatever it is, whether I have a lot or whether I have little, I can do all this. I can live. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And then 19, he says, and God will meet all of your needs according to his riches. He's not short on finances. According to the riches of his glory. So Paul is echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew 6. Let's wrap up this Matthew 6. Matthew 6.31 says, so Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't worry. Saying what you're going to eat. What am I going to eat? What are we, we going to drink? What am I going to wear? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the mortgage? What if the car gets repossessed? What if I can't get the uh, upsized, uh, I, God, I don't want to eat the value meal again. I want a real hamburger. You know, he says, listen, don't worry so much. For the pagans, that means those that aren't believers, that trust in Jesus, they run after all these things. They worry all the time. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Write this down. This is the last thing. Trust that God is our source, not ourself. Trust in God's provision. You've got to trust that God is our source, not ourselves. Uh, I've got a tissue here. And, and this is really... This is really a good picture of life. And, and uh, Sam, can I have you come here for a second? I, I, the stool's over there. So I'm going I'm to have you take a tissue. Could you stand up here with me and just hold it out? Okay. Tissues, uh, yeah, you hold it like this. Tissues, you know, they can hold a little bit. Okay. All right. And we put so much trust in this tissue for life. The tissue is life. It's a paper-thin veil between you and eternity. And, and we put so much trust and confidence in something so thin, so frail, so fragile. And we put so much confidence and trust in this and in, in, in our potential. This, this doesn't just represent our life. This represents our income, our finances, our, our bank. We, we trust our life, our security to these things. And we think that somehow uh, this will protect us from life. And the more monster just says more and more because it's going to take more for you to be safe. It's going to take more for you to be comfortable. It's going to take more for you to feel secure. It's going to take more for you to retire. It's going to take more. And we're just adding more. Eventually, this little tissue that can, that it, it first seems like it's strong enough to hold and sustain the things that you want. Well, eventually just tear right here. You tore a little bit, but let me try to tear it in the middle. We'll just tear right through. Ultimately, stay here for just a second. Ultimately, life will fail us. The things that we invest life in will fail us. We have got to place our security not in the, thank you, the, the thin veil of this life, but in the confidence and security, the firm foundation of an eternal life. God is not my source. My job is not my source. My career is not my source. Money is not even my source. God is my source. And whether I am well off or have lack, I am going to learn to be content because I'm not trusting in the veil of this life, which is so fragile and frail. You know, it's kind of funny when you use a tissue I mean, did you know when you sneeze, your sneezes come out of your mouth at 60 miles an hour? 
That's pretty doggone fast. Let's all sneeze, all right? Just kidding. <laughs> and just shoot it up in the air. Uh, 60 miles an hour, a sneeze comes out of your mouth, right? And we trust the flu and disease to this little tiny veil of tissue. You think this is going to stop a 60 mile an hour vehicle, you know, or fluid or liquid? It might slow it down and deter it. But it's kind of funny how much confidence we put in such frail things. Here's what it comes down to. Matthew 6.33, he says this, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That means his will and his ways. And all these things that we just talked about will be given to you. You know, when I got dressed this morning, I didn't put on my T-shirt and then my shirt and then put on deodorant. I would have white patches under my arms. I put deodorant on first I might put a T-shirt on and put it on under my T-shirt, but point is, I don't put it on over my shirt because first things first. Jesus talks about the first things here. He says first things first. The first things matter. I want to talk to you for a second just about what the first things mean. The first matters to God. In the Old Testament, it's a picture of redemption and gratitude. God calls it in the Old Testament a word called the tithe, which means the first 10%. And it's not a ceiling that we ever hope to reach, but it's meant to be a benchmark, a floor that we walk on, kind of the beginning of our generosity. We don't cap our generosity. We begin with a place of generosity. It supplies resources for the kingdom of God. That's why first things matter, because they're sacred to God. It, re it represents our priority of God's provision and our purpose. And God doesn't want 10%. He wants 100%. He doesn't want 10% plus a, a tipped offering he wants 100%. He wants you to be generous with it, to be faithful in it, to, be, to trust God with it, and to spend it with purpose of eternity. I like to say that tithing isn't really giving, it's returning back to God. Malachi 3.8 says, will a man rob God? Well, uh, yet you rob me. You ask, how do we rob you? Well, he says in tithe and offerings, because it belongs. Did I give you? Oh, I have the money right here. You know why John Paul was uh, so easy to give this to me? If you didn't figure it out? Because I gave it to him. Before service, I gave him this. And I said, when I ask for it, you give it. You know? And when I took all of it, you know, he didn't go like, Pfft. you know? He was like, oh, yeah, sure. Because it's not his. It was mine. Right? And actually, this isn't mine. It's the Lord's. Because I'm going to put it right in the offering here in a minute. Here's the point. When we can understand that what we have is just returning back to God, what we have, we can easily let go of it. It's not so painful when we know who it belongs to. So Jesus ends with this in Matthew 6. He says, therefore, in light of all of this, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And we would all agree to that. You know, when my kids were younger, they never asked when we left the house, are we going to eat? Unless they were really hungry. And as they got older, they asked it a lot. And they didn't 
They didn't usually worry about dinner or groceries. They didn't worry about if the bills were going to pay. They didn't worry if they turn on the light switch, if the light was going to come on. They didn't worry if the car was going to start and if there was gas in the car or when we went on a trip. You know why? Because they just knew mom and dad had it taken care of. And so they were able just to enjoy the ride. If we could get back to that heart with God, God, I'm going to do diligence with the things you've given me to be a steward of. But ultimately, God, I'm just going to enjoy the ride because you have got me taken care of. If I would just trust you and seek your face, your will, your ways, you will take care of me. Because really when it comes down to it, this is all that separates you from eternity. And right now, some of you are not a follower of Christ and this whole money talk is just kind of weirding you out. But I want you to know that, that this little veil between now and eternity is just as thin as this tissue. And just as easy as I could tear this tissue, so is the veil between this life and the next. Today could be your last day. This morning could be your last morning. Are you prepared to go through the veil of eternity? I don't trust my life to this, and you shouldn't either. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you have given us through Jesus Christ the ability to have confidence in this life and the next. And, God, that we have, through trusting in you, have the ability to have rest in this life and to slay that material more monster. I pray, Lord, that you just humble us, God, and give us a proper view of what you've given us to steward. If you're here right now and you'd say, you know what, I, I have never trusted Jesus with my life, and, and the, the realization of the frailty of this life is ever before me, and I wanna make sure that I know the king of all eternity that's you today, will you just take a moment and say, Jesus, here's my life. Just go ahead in your own words. Jesus, here's my life. I give you my life. I give you everything that I have. Lord, it's all yours. You already have it. I just acknowledge you, Father, as King and as the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Thank you for the cross that was payment for all that I have done, God. Thank you that you're a generous general. God, that you're a good Father. God, I give you my life. Show me how to walk with you and to trust you. In Jesus' name. And if you're here today and, you're, and you need to say, God, I trust you in this area of my life and, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it, Lord. I need you to help me. Will you just take a moment and talk to God right now and say, God, help me to trust you with my life in this area. Go ahead and tell him, God, I, help me to trust you with my money, to trust you with my possessions trust you with the things that are yours that I am to steward. God, help me to be a good steward of it. God, show me what it means to live a life of generosity. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.